It's the Bears lot. I believed far more than most that once Khalil Mack came to town, the Bears defense had an opportunity to be elite, to be the league's best, and they have not let me down in any regard. I also believed it would take eight to ten weeks for this offense to hit its stride, for the quarterback to get comfortable for the coach to get comfortable, for all of these new weapons assembled this year to come together as a coherent unit. I wasn't particularly right about that. It has been sort of slapdash. It has been piecemeal. They've had great streaks. But what's been strange about the offense this year is that they really haven't had a singular identity. They are not a team that lines up on Sunday that you can say, okay, this week they're going to do this. And I think that's the product of having so many talented players who are also incredibly versatile. The Bears are capable of going out there on offense and saying 25 carries for Jordan Howard this week, he'll control the game, which is what they did against the Vikings this previous week. They're capable of going out there and saying, this is going to be all Tariq Cohen. We're going to be running wheel routes. We're going to be hitting them in the flat. We're going to let him dictate the pace of the game. They're also capable of going out there and saying, Allen Robinson, this week you're a true number one receiver. Here comes 10 catches, 125 yards. Early in the season, it was Taylor Gabriel running all over the field, and Trubisky missed him a lot, but he was all over the field. Early in the season, Anthony Miller looked like he was going to be a superstar, not five years from now, but this year. They have a ton of talent. And now, now is when you see everything come together. Because everything you put together over a 16-week schedule on offense, now you have to put together the week-to-week game plan that maximizes every guy. Look at how the playoffs go historically. That is when... That is when the great offensive players elevate themselves into the history books. And I don't know how Matt Nagy is going to approach this. I don't know who that guy is going to be this Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Or if they move on, who it will be moving forward. But now you are going to see what the offense Matt Nagy believes is his best. Starting Sunday, you are going to see Matt Nagy put together the game plan that says, these are my best players, this is my best chance to score points, this is how we're going to attack. I got to be honest, I'm very excited to see what that looks like. Is that Tariq Cohen? Is that Trey Burton? Is Adam Shaheen now going to emerge in the postseason? And I think he's going to. This will be a fun ride if this offense starts to click because we all know There is no better unit, and I don't care. You want to put the Chiefs offense up there? Fine. There is no better unit in this playoffs than the Bears defense because they don't just stop you. They score. So now it's on Nagy, and it's on Trubisky, and it's on this offensive staff to, to put all these pieces together 
to put 18 weeks of sometimes this and sometimes that into one game plan that maximizes the talent on this roster. And if they can do that three or four times, the Bears have a chance to win it all. I will fight and I will die for freedom Up against an eagle or a bear Paul Domovich has been on this podcast three or four times. He is my favorite beat writer in the country other than Adam Johns. He is my favorite football follow on Twitter other than Brian Baldinger. And he is maybe the funniest character on Twitter because he just loves to chastise his followers for not reading the columns he posts. Uh, I want to thank Paul because playoff weeks are insanely busy for the beat guys covering the team, especially the ones who have to travel. So thanks to Paul for giving me 10 minutes here. We're doing this very early in the morning, so I'm hoping he's had his coffee. I know I've had mine. Here's Paul Domowicz. Hello? Hey, Paul, it's Jeff Hughes. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I was just laughing because I said to uh, a friend of mine, I was like, I didn't think I'd get a chance to talk to Paul this year, but you never, you never know how the NFL season's going to break down. You just never know. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's not breaking I, down well for the Eagles. <laughs> I don't think this so, is a good so, matchup for them. Well, so that's, let's start there because I, I don't either. And one of the reasons I don't is because the the way you attack this Bears team is you've got to get a ground game going. Because if you don't if you expect to drop back fifty times and throw it, eventually one of those animals is going to get to you. It's just yeah. there's too many of them. And we've been impressed by them all year long. I mean, is that your expectation? Does you think Peterson goes into this game and says, I'm gonna blow the run game off entirely and I'm just gonna attack them through the air? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's smarter than that. Uh, but the problem is he's also a guy who believes in the importance of passing over the run. So he's going to go into the game saying, you know, we've got to be balanced. We've got to stay with the run. The question is, you know, when you get the run stuffed on you, the first two possessions, um, do you stay with it uh, like a lot of coaches or will he abandon it? That's kind of be going to be a key for him in the in you know his history is that he basically abandons it, uh, but they can't really afford to do that against the Bears because, like you said, uh, they just start throwing it and put Nick Foles back there and having thrown 50 passes, he's going to get killed. He's already got, coming into the game with a you know with a uh, bruised ribs, so that's that's even more of a dangerous situation. So I, I, they really need to, even if it's not going great with the run early, they, they've got to stick with it. They've got to at least keep um, Chicago honest with it, whether it's with some jet sweeps with, they'll use some screens probably. Uh, They've been very effective with those. You know, that's one of their strengths. You know, Jason Kelsey's about as athletic a center as I've ever seen. I mean, he can get out on those things. And, uh, you know, so they've been effective with those, which they kind of consider the equivalent of a run. So, uh, but yeah, they can't abandon it. Well, it's interesting because that's the same thing we were complaining about early on with Nagy. It's it's the Andy Reid trick. They they believe yeah. 
that the pass is the run. They, 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 it all started with Brian Westbrook up in Philly. He started throwing the ball as a de facto run game. And I don't think that'll work against the Bears, but, but the bigger question for the Eagles is, and, and listen, I try to be the least reactive person in the football world. I would never say, hey, the Eagles should trade Carson Wentz and go with Nick Foles. However, what is going on? I, I, I don't <laughs> understand how, how this guy all of a sudden now, two years in a row, looks like one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And I, I wouldn't want to be the Eagles' decision makers because I don't know what I would do. So what's, <laughs> what's happening there? Because my heart tells me Nick Foles is not that good. But then I watch him play, and I'm like, the guy looks pretty good. And he certainly looks like he fits that offense. So, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, is there, is there... – oh, go ahead. They, I mean, they've, they've adjust, they made some adjustments for him. They, they do a good job. They did a good job last year in the playoffs of uh, talking to him about what plays he feels the most comfortable running, and they, they kind of, they kind of form fit that offense around him. They get rid of what, it, what he doesn't do well, uh, and you know, and and run do a lot of what he does do well. Um, what he does do well is make quick decisions. Ninety times in the last two weeks, he's used the term, you know, read and react. Uh, you saw that last week against Chicago. He threw 33 passes. Only six of them traveled more than five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Gets the ball, gets it out quickly, spreads it around. <clears throat> he one of the keys has been, and one of the differences for whatever reason between him and Carson is that you know they've got Alshon Jeffrey who you're very familiar with who's one of the yeah. best 50-50 ball guys in the league because of his catch radius and his arm is the, the strength of his hands well for whatever reason Carson would not was not willing to throw it up for grabs and let him go get it Nick has no problem with that and Alshon in the last 3 games with him as the starter is averaging 18.8 yards per catch uh, has been a difference maker, uh, which wasn't the case uh, during Carson's 11 starts. So, um, you know, I don't know why that is, but so you know, those are some of the things that uh, I think we that, that have been a difference. I mean, Carson Carson throws a better deep ball. He's not he doesn't have as the arm strength that Carson does, uh, but Nick Nick lofts it over. I mean, he's made some really nice throws in, in his three starts. Uh, you know, an 83-yard ca- uh, touchdown catch uh, by Aguilar a few weeks ago, things like that. So, you know, you're right. You- you're not going to say, okay, we're keeping this guy in trade Carson. Uh, but right now, in this moment, just like last January, it- it's, you know, they're-, they're responding to him. I mean, the, the players around him, that-, that offensive line knows that he's only as good as them. You know, I mean, with Carson, when you've got a quarterback that can move like Carson, you know, the offensive line knows that they can make mistakes, not that they're looking to make mistakes, but that Carson can run away from people, can extend plays. You know, Nick can't do that. They have to be good, and if they're good, he will be good. At least that's the way they look at it. So, uh, you know, I think that puts a lot of onus on them and, and has made them play better. 
listen, we're in an NFL season where I'm arguing that Nick Foles should get a big deal and Greg Williams should be given an extension. So I've lost track of what the NFL is. I, I mean, it's official. I have no idea what's going on anymore. I mean, you know, I just don't. I just, I, I love to pretend to be some kind of an expert. But, I mean, I'm arguing for Greg Williams to get extensions. I don't know what's happening. The whole league has gone upside down. When Wentz got hurt last year against the Rams in week 14, I mean, I, my my feeling was all is lost. You know, <laughs> they, they were going to make the playoffs and, and they were probably going to be one and done with Nick. And, you know, he, 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 he played three regular season games last year after, you know, they already had pretty much were, you know, they were in. It's just a matter of fighting for home field advantage. He didn't play very well. Then come the playoffs. Oh. And he, he, he plays the three best games of his life. Uh, this year, it's a little different in that they've had to win each of these last three games. So he's more battle tested. Uh, they've basically been in the playoffs for three weeks, uh, to, you know, the way they look at it. Because uh, if they had lost any of them, they, were, they wouldn't be playing Chicago on, on Sunday. So, you know, will that make a difference? Has it helped him? It, it, it seems to. I mean, I've, the man's as confident as I've ever seen him before in my life. And I watched him win a Super Bowl MVP last year. So, but you know, this is, he hasn't faced a rush like this. Uh, and if they don't run the ball, you know, like you said, that rush is going to be able to tee off on him. And that's when it's going to be, uh, you know, get a little scary for them. The, the one player on, on the Eagle offense that a little confounds me, and I know how they use him confounds you because it's, it's sort of your Twitter focus during games. It seems like Zach Ertz is capable of, these 12-catch, 120-yard, two-touchdown dominant games, but they rarely come. And is it a, is it a case of teams ta- – again, I have not sat and watched all the Eagles tape. Is it teams taking him away in the game plan, or do you think they just don't use him enough? Well, I, 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 I would have to, a hard time arguing they don't use him enough, considering that he set the you know the record for uh, receptions for a tight end. But there are those games where he just isn't a factor, including last week when he it was the first time this season he did not have a first down catch. Um, I you know they don't try hard. You take him away, they'll go for the next option. That's pretty much. Peterson's approach probably is Nagy's too. I mean, it it's, is, it's yeah. take what it's take what they give you. Now that doesn't mean that you know they don't look hard for. I mean, when you get down in the red zone, they're a little bit more determined to get the ball to Ertz because he's such a, a, a powerful red zone weapon. But for the other 80 yards, uh, you know, they double team him. They make an effort to take him away. They're going to go find that weakness that you've created. Uh, by you know by overplaying on 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 Ertz, so you know they've also lately, you know Dallas Goddard, their backup tight end. You know they play a lot of twelve personnel. Um, right. They didn't last week, but the before that they were playing more than fifty percent of their uh, their offensive plays were two tight end plays. Uh, but when they go to when they use eleven personnel lately, and it's it's kind of a a run situation. Or first and ten, even they'll go with Goddard and give Ertz a rest. So his snaps are down a little bit as well. Not that that has anything to do with his uh, his numbers uh, being a little bit less lately. I think it's like I said. I think it's mostly that when you when you make an effort to take him away, they'll they'll they won't be stubborn. They'll go look for the other options. Other side of the ball, I think most Bears fans will say. The concern they have, big stage for Trubisky. If he has one of those inaccurate throw the ball to the team games, this thing could be 
could go the wrong way. But my reading on this defense, and I recognize some of those names in the secondary, the Craven LeBlancs and the Corey Grahams mm-hmm. of the world. So my, my belief is you block that front, you can really tear them apart in the back end. Is that what you've seen here last six to eight weeks? Yeah, uh, you, that's right, because they don't blitz at all. I mean, they have blitzed, right. I believe, Jim, since the New Orleans game when they got blown out. And, I mean, because of the people he's got back there, he realizes, you know, you, you really don't want to leave Russell Douglas on an island for very long. So he's afraid to, to, to blitz. And, and Jim's not a big blitzer to begin with, but they've been blitzing about 9 10% of the time on pass plays now, which is clearly uh, the lowest in the league. Uh, but you're right. The problem is that that front four has not been blocked very effectively during this uh, you know, during their last six games, five of which they've won. I mean, that's been the reason their defense has been – one of the reasons their defense has been so much better is they're getting that pressure. Uh, Fletcher Cox has just been a beast uh, lately. He's got uh, – I think I counted 40 quarterback pressures in the last six games. You know, he, he was defensive player of the week this week with the three sacks against the Redskins, but a couple of those were pretty much gimmies. But, I mean, he – you know, they've got Jernigan back with him in the middle. He spent m- m- most of the year pretty much playing next to guys that don't even belong in the league at, at the other defensive tackle position. So now he's got somebody that people have to pay attention to. You know, that's, you know, the Bears' strength is not their interior offensive line. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's going to be an interesting matchup this this week because, I mean, Cox's right now is on fire. Now, the, other, the, the thing that Trubisky's going to have to do and that the, the, their approach defensively is they're not going to let you beat them deep in you know, because, I mean, Schwartz knows who he has back there. He doesn't have great coverage guys. He's got good tacklers. I mean, Craven LeBlanc has really been a um, – he's been a surprise. I mean, you, you saw him play in Chicago. Uh, yeah. But he's basically – they moved him inside, and he's been a – He's been playing very well the last month and change uh, in the slot. And then, and Rasul Douglas is, is suddenly has a lot of confidence on the outside, along with Avante Maddox, their fourth round rookie, who's, you know, has, was, was at safety when they were healthy. Now he's, and he initially was in the slot. Now he's on the outsides. And, but he's only five, nine, which can, you know, I mean, he's a guy you can, you can create mismatches against, but what they do is you're not going to beat us deep. You're, you got to throw it in front of us, and we're going to come up and limit your yards after the catch. Now, if they do that, they're fine because then they're making teams, you know, dink and dunk down the field. If they start missing tackles, which they occasionally do, uh, you know, that's when you know that's when the problems arise. But so, you know, during this stretch of uh, when they've won five of their last six, they've tackled really well on the back end. Uh, and you know, but they have the last time they faced a guy like Tariq Cohen who can come out of the backfield, who can line up anywhere in the formation and kill you, was uh, Alvin Kamara in uh, New Orleans, and that didn't work out so well. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting matchup this week, how they deal with him. Their linebackers, you know, uh, uh, they're probably going to run some wheel routes with him, and I don't I would think so. I would think so. Well. <laughs> so it, you it, actually, it's going to be a fun game to watch. These interviews are always so interesting with you because you segue into my next question, and I don't, I don't even get to ask it. Like, my <laughs> next question was going to be, how do they handle Cohen? Because my theory on the Bears is Tariq Cohen has barely played the last two weeks, and that is because 
Matt Nagy understands that this offense's heartbeat is Cohen. And I actually would make the argument that Sproles has a similar relation. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the reasons the Eagles have been better on offense is because he just presents defenses with such a problem. And a guy you have to pay attention to that that's really changed the team the last four or five weeks. But So you've given me a couple, but where do you think, if the Eagles are going to win this game on the road, where do you think they're going to win it? Where is the, where is the matchup that you think that's the one they've got to win, and if they win that, they've got a chance to win? Well, I, they, have to, they have to win first and second down. Because, I mean, I think the weakness with Trubisky – I mean, you get. I think the Bears are what? They're 11th and third down percentage in the league, which is okay, yeah. uh, but it's not great. But you look at third and long, and Trubis- that's where. I mean, and 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 you can say you can get any quarterback in third and long, and you you know you're you're in a, a real good situation, and that's true. Um, but I mean, that's they that's the that's what they need to do with him on Sunday. Uh, they need to get him in third and long so that front four can just tear off and go after him and you know they've been very good at limiting first downs in those situations I think I looked at Trubisky's numbers he's on third and eight or more he's thrown 39 passes I think only nine have resulted in first downs so you know that yeah, he's way more but, dangerous in those, in those scenarios with his legs he's, yeah exactly that, and that, they, they, that's where he'll beat you yeah Right, and and they've you know they've faced a lot of mobile quarterbacks this year. They've done a pretty good job recently with Deshaun Watson as far as uh, you know being disciplined in their rush lanes and not giving him room to to take off. But you know, I mean, that they've also been burned a few times. Um, but you know, they've got you know they've got. I, I mean, I think that's 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 how you beat Trubisky. Uh, because, you know, I, I was shocked when I looked at Chicago's numbers that they're not better. Uh, they're not a better first down running team. Uh, you know, so now the Eagles have not been a very good first down run defense this year. So that's another interesting matchup because that's going to dictate whether, you know, whether the Bears are in a lot of third and longs or not. Um, so, you know. The run game has gotten again, way better here the last month. It, it's been kind yeah. of interesting. It, it yeah, seems like uh, Matt Nagy just realized that Jordan Howard's on the roster in the last, like, three, four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, exactly. So yeah, I, mean, I get yeah, the I, sense from you, I get the sense from you, you you're you leaning Bears win, but you, you think this is close? Yeah, I do. I think it'll be, I mean, I think the, the spread's six. I think it's a four-point game. I think I, I picked 24-20 uh, Bears, but, I mean, you know, I mean, the Bears are just, I mean, what, they lead the league in interceptions. They lead the league in turn, takeaways. Uh, you know, the, the Eagles have the, I believe they have the worst turnover differential of any team in the playoffs. Uh, and, I, you know, you're on the road and, and, and in a situation like that, that certainly favors uh, the Bears because I don't think the Eagles can get through this game without turning it over once or twice. If they can, you know, then I think that for four point difference uh, could change, but you know, I think that's. I'll be add a, this to this, Paul. I'll add this. This is a fan base that is very excited for Sunday afternoon. They this is this is eight years since they've been in the playoffs, and I have not gotten the kinds of reactions from fans that I've gotten in the last week. There are people paying twelve, fourteen hundred bucks to go to this game, and <laughs> it, it's. I mean, it's crazy, but it's people telling me I don't care. 
said, this is, yeah. I've wanted this, I've waited for this, we've suffered through the Fox era and the Tresman era, and it feels like this is the payoff. I think that building is going to be crazy on Sunday yeah. afternoon. So, Well, it won't be like well, it was well, last week in Washington. <laughs> so, no, by the way, I watched some of that. I was like, where, I, I, I honest to goodness, did not know that game was in Washington. And I said, <laughs> That's it. I could not believe the number of Eagle fans in that building. Yeah. How does Snyder, we could talk about Dan Snyder for a, a whole different show, but how does he sit there, watch that, and think, yeah, let's, let's stay the course here. Every, every, everything's going in the right direction here. Let's stay the course. Oh, and and what's, what's, what's ironic, Jeff, is, you know, he fi- last week uh, he fired his entire, you know, his business people, his marketing people, uh, you know, but Bruce Allen's still, uh, still firmly entrenched in the front office, and Jay Gruden's still at least for the moment, still firmly entrenched as the head coach. Well, you know, as, I, as I've always thought about football, if you win games, fans show up and the business does quite well. So, yeah. it, it, you know, I don't think your business people are responsible. I don't think your marketing people are why the Redskin fan are, are turned off. It might just be that you lose every year. But yeah. that might be an old school. Paul, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I know this is a busy week for you. Uh, I hope it's a great game. And, uh, uh that's it. I'm going to direct everybody to read your piece that was up. I think you put it up this morning, maybe last night, on Nick Foles. The quotes right, from my, Peterson my on Foles report. are great. My scouting report will be up, uh, I think, 11 o'clock this morning. So. That's excellent. And, so the, and, the, and the quotes from Peterson on Foles were the ones that stood out to me. It, it's very clear that Doug Peterson has all the confidence in the world in this guy. And another reason why I have completely lost touch with the National Football League, because I don't know how all this happened, but it's all seeming to happen. <laughs> and Nick Foles is Joe Montana, and I just have to accept it and move on. So Ma- thanks again, Paul. And, uh, magical. St. <laughs> Nick, I'll talk to you down the road, Paul. Thanks so much. Take care, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Take, Take care. care. I honestly don't remember if I've ever done one of these sermons or reverends rants or whatever the hell you want to call them. I don't remember if we ever did one with the Bears in the playoffs. I don't think we did. So here he is for what I believe is the first time on a playoff week, live from Paris, France, the Reverend himself, David. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how it's been eight years since the Bears last made the postseason. And uh, I realized that I spent about half of that time in Africa. Reflecting on that, it, it, it's kind of embarrassing to think that the the original genesis for my interest in that continent that, that led to all these years spent working in all those different countries was honestly just traced back to the fact that, that my dad loved that old Michael Caine movie, Zulu, and my brother and I watched it a ton when we were kids. And it's about a small group of, you know, red-jacketed, pith-helmet-wearing British soldiers who have to defend themselves from an attack by this overwhelming number of Zulu warriors during the appropriately named Zulu War in South Africa in 1879. And yet, you know, it's got tons of minor historical inaccuracies, and really the whole incident was just famous because the British government needed a distraction from the disastrous massacre of British troops at the Battle of Asan Luana the day before. But, you know, it's, it's, it's still a pretty great movie. And I bring up this bit of of, of Reverend Dave and, and cinema trivia because the, you know, the last time the Bears were in the postseason, I was living in D.C. And I used to go to a lot of D.C. United games back then because it was one of, I think, four things that I didn't hate about D.C. 
Anyway, one game before kickoff, I, I'm ducking to the restroom to take a piss, and and there's this guy, mid-40s or so, uh, next to me at the urinal, and he's he's wearing a D.C. United jersey and a pith helmet. Well, that's not something you encounter a lot, even in D.C., so I, I felt compelled to break the unspoken rules of urinal etiquette, and I, I said to him, nice pith helmet you got there. He said, yeah. Like the movie Zulu, I, I said, I, you know, I love that movie. And in response, this guy, never turning to look at me at all again at the urinal, just starts singing Men of Harlech, this song the soldiers sing in the movie to show their defiance in the face of these overwhelming odds. Well, I mean, what the hell do you do in that kind of situation? I, I joined in. And then there we were, just two strangers with stupid grins on our faces, standing at the urinal, facing the wall in the old RFK Stadium in D.C., just belting out this 200-year-old Welsh song from a 50-year-old movie. We sung a few verses, washed our hands, shook hands, and then parted ways to go to our seats. And I went to a lot more D.C. United games, and I never saw this guy again. So I tell this admittedly weird little story because it's evidence that the sports can give you these ridiculous, amazing, utterly unexpected little moments. But you're never guaranteed to have them again. Now we're looking at one of the most fun Bears teams in a generation walking into the playoffs with some swagger. So enjoy the fuck out of this moment right now, because this season's been as amazing and surprising and fun as hell. And while things look good for us going forward, as Bears fans, we know that nothing is guaranteed. So fuck worrying about Sunday or what will happen next year. This week, I'm just savoring being NFC North champs and singing Bear Down Chicago Bears at the urinal, which is confusing the fuck out of the people in those bathrooms. When, when I'm making my game prediction each week, what I've had to sort of knock out of my system is this belief that, well, they're the Bears and they probably won't do all of these things positive. So these guys will probably score points here and they'll give up some points. I'm not doing that this week. I think this is the exclamation point on the regular season. I think this game Sunday validates everything that happened over 16 games. I think they win big at home, in front of the home crowd, and then they go on the road and fight. And I think they have a chance. I think they are as good as these other teams are going to be playing in the postseason. But I think this is the one you have to win to say, we had a great season. You're going to probably still make that argument even if you lose. But there's no argument if you win. You had a great season if you win a home playoff game coming off what they've come off of the last few years. So I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to do it in big-time fashion. And I think next week we'll be preparing to go to L.A. Bear down.